Welcome to the Junkyard Outreach. This is Todd. Thanks for joining me as we go through the scriptures and learn what we can to draw close to Jesus. For more episodes and information, check out junkyardoutreach.com. And now, let's dig in. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11. We know what it means to fear the Lord, and so try to persuade others. God knows us completely, and I hope that in your hearts you know me as well. We are not trying again to recommend ourselves to you. Rather, we are trying to give you a good reason to be proud of us so that you will be able to answer those who boast about people's appearance and not about their character. Are we really insane? It is for God's sake. Or are we sane? Then it is for your sake. We are ruled by the love of Christ now that we recognize that one man died for everyone, which means that they all share in his death. He died for all so that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but only for him who died and was raised to life for their sake. The Apostle Paul here is talking about being reconciled to God, saying that, yeah, we know what it means to fear the Lord. We get it, and we try to persuade others. Why does he try to persuade others to fear the Lord? It sounds kind of strange. I want to persuade you to fear God, but if you look at that expression, the fear of the Lord, You see that the fear of the Lord in scriptures is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. It's a fountain of life. Many other verses like that talk about the fear of the Lord being a very positive thing in our life because it changes us. It humbles us. It puts us in a place where we realize, man, God is God and I'm not. And because of that, I realize this coming kingdom, this kingdom of God, which is within us, but which will soon be established literally on the earth is going to happen, and we have a place in it. Jesus spoke a lot about the kingdom of God. He also spoke a lot about being right with God and what that looks like. And in John chapter 3, when he's having this discussion with this religious leader, Nicodemus, who appears to be a righteous man, he appears to be a very well-educated man to be in that position, you had to be, And as Nicodemus is really struggling with this because he's used to the outward proof of faith, the evidence of my righteousness is I'm a Pharisee, I'm a religious leader, I'm educated, I know the word, I know the traditions, I have influence, and none of that is important to Jesus. Now, he can use that, certainly, and he puts us in places of influence sometimes that he can accomplish his purposes, but being a person of influence... All that means is you're accountable to God. It means he's using you and what you're influencing or who you're influencing or how you are influencing them, you're responsible for that and you're accountable. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, who was influencing a lot of people, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus is confused. This concept of being born again, it's all over the New Testament. And there's glimpses of it in the Old Testament. In the computer world, you have operating systems, the brains of the computer. And so some see going to church as, well, I'm getting an upgrade to my operating system. I'm taking care of some of the old things, and and it's more efficient now. That's not what this is about. This is not about getting an upgrade. This is not about being a better person. This is about being completely changed into a child of God from a child of the world, or a child of the devil, in a sense, because the devil rules the world. We see that, and we see that in Scripture, in 1 John five nineteen, This is about getting an entirely new operating system, one that doesn't even operate like the old one. Still has the same function, still kind of does the same thing, but this is a completely different way of operating. 
And Jesus called it being born again, or literally born from above, a spiritual birth. And we all have to have that experience. That's what being a follower of Christ means. I am a new creation in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.17, as he continues in his statement about reconciliation, he says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. It's not a better person. He hasn't been modified. You have been created new. You've been given a new way of thinking. In Romans chapter 12, and this is Paul writing to the church at Rome, to those believers there, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We all were conformed to the world. That just means that you're going along with society. And in many times, you know, we like it because it's cool. There's a lot of cool things in the world that I like to do, but I'm not supposed to be of the world. Those things aren't supposed to drive me. If anything, I'm supposed to look at those things and surrender them to Christ and say, Lord, this is what I want to do. Is this good? And he may say, yeah, that's fine. Go do it. There's lots of fun things that believers do. They're not really of any spiritual significance. They're just fun things to do. But then there are other things that are of the world that are opposed to the gospel, opposed to God's character, opposed to things that are good and right according to the scriptures. And those are the things that we need to not just look at those and go, yeah, you know, God doesn't like those, but we need to look at those and say, no, that's not in God's plan. That's not me because I now am a new creation in Christ. The old has passed, the new has come. Peter chimes in on this, 2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that were done on it will be exposed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming day of the Lord, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt? as they burn. So Peter, he comes at it from a different angle. Hey man, this is coming. So get ready. What kind of person should you be? What should you look like on the outside? Because even though we're not supposed to focus on the outward appearance, there is things that people see because they see us in the natural realm. We see, we smell, we hear, we touch. We have those senses and those senses input information into our brains. So we see someone that's squared away. We're checking them out from top to bottom going, okay, that person looks like they're legit. You see someone who's crazy, and you're like, yeah, that guy's whacked. You know, you see that. The outward tells some kind of story. What's your story? What does my outward story tell on a daily basis? Am I practicing what I preach? Am I believing what I'm reading? If so, I'm going to be different because that day is coming. You know, we talk a lot about the end of the world in churches. Sometimes people just get so spun up on this. You know, the end is near, the end is near, the end times, bye. I've been to a lot of funerals, and they're done. They didn't experience what's coming, but they did experience life, and they are accountable for what they did. So even though we can geek out about the end times and Armageddon and the Great Tribulation and the Rapture and all of these things that Christians love to spend a lot of times discussing, what about everyday living in preparation for the day when you die? Do you think about that? 
I've been in my career to many, many calls where someone had a normal day going and they died unexpectedly. Now they're in eternity. They didn't expect to get run over by that truck. They didn't expect to have a heart attack when they were only 40 years old and die. But they did. And their end came. What person were they? They didn't have time to say, you know what, in the next couple of months, I'm going to really try to focus on No, it's about today, man. It's about here and now. Honoring God today, repenting of your sin, and being born again. If that's never happened in your life, then you're missing it. You're missing out on everything. But if it has happened, and I pray that it has, then what are you doing? What does your life say? What's your life story? If someone were to write your obituary today based on the last year of your life, what would it say? This person was close to God. This person honored God. This person was selfless. This person was kind. Does that fit? Being born again is the result of receiving Christ. You get a new heart. You are forgiven of your sin, and you walk in newness of life. You don't hang on to the old crap. The devil's going to remind you of that every day. You're going to look in the mirror, and he's going to say, you're nothing. This Jesus stuff, whatever, you're a hypocrite. Or he's going to stroke you and say, man, you're awesome. Dude, you read your Bible every day. You're so awesome. He's going to fill your head full of pride. Resist that. Come to Christ. Be born again. Be new. Do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. 2 Corinthians 4, 16. And be blessed because he loves you and you have a place in the kingdom no matter who you are. Your sins are forgiven. We can rest in that. Thank you.